You're listening to Bizarre Buffet, a podcast of all-you-can-eat weird. I'm your host, Mark Toriello. I'm Jen Wilson. And I'm Mark Bluestein. There'll be food and drink and ghosts, and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. When we first went in, one of the people said, who are you? And Tex said, I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. Hey, everyone. You're listening to episode two of Bizarre Buffet, and today's topic is crime scene and death cleanup. Oh. Oh, oh. oh, yes. Oh, my God. We're getting dark up in here. I love me a good crime scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, like, holy crap, imagine having to do that job. I can't, you know. You have to I, be a special person. You really do. It is such a specific profession that, like, even, like, me, someone who can watch, like, every horror movie, every kind of thing, and I've seen weird shit, you know, but watching those videos, even after a while, makes me feel a certain kind of way. Like, I start getting a little sad, and, like, it starts from being super interested to just feeling like, oh... This is kind of bumming me out, you know? Because it's real. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, we watch that stuff together all the time. And at first, you know, I'm all into it. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then I'm, like, shocked. And then it just, like, sets in. And then I'm like, we have to watch Golden Girls or something whimsical. (laughs) Yeah, that's what he always says. Something whimsical. I mean, Jen, what's, like, the weirdest thing that you ever saw? That was like a gross crime scene-ish thing in real life. I mean, you know, you guys know that I've worked with autistic kids. Uh Uh-huh. Like from ages 5 to 20. And probably gross crime scenes include bodily fluids on Mm. walls and floors and... On their backs. Yeah. Their whole body. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. So I mean, I've never dealt with blood. More like <laughs> other bodily fluids. Which is weird because I can do blood. I can't do my own blood. Really? Yes. It's so odd. I mean, because it's kind of like I hate needles, but like I'm fine with tattoos. Is it that kind of thing? Okay. I mean, yeah. 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 Like, doctor needles, like, they freak me out, but otherwise I'm okay. Hmm. Yeah. The last time I got a needle was, like, when I went to get a physical, and they were, like, you know, doing their needle stuff. I don't even remember what they were doing, but the doctor told me to stop being a baby. (laughs) 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 They were like, shut up. Oh, you're so annoying. What about you, Mark? What's, like, the nastiest or weirdest thing that you've ever seen? It could even be if someone, like, threw up at a bar. And... Oh. The, the nastiest thing? I mean, in person? I mean, I've seen people do a lot of nasty things, but nothing can nothing is coming to mind right now that is, like, oh, my God, I can't believe I witnessed that. I mean, I've witnessed plenty of crap behavior from people, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. What about you? Oh, my. Well, 
I think this is a good story to share. When I was younger, like my family and I, we lived in a very unsavory neighborhood um, with a very high crime rate. And Irvington, New Jersey, represent. Hey, guys. Ooh, shout out. Um, so people are like, you grew up there. I'm like, <laughs> like yes, bitch. I did. <laughs> um, but one of the times when we were robbed, um, the, the crackhead that robbed us, he went in through the window and he cut, I'm assuming, his arms up really bad. And there was blood like all over the house. And when we came in, we actually thought someone broke in and got murdered in the house. And because it took the cops, like, you know, a day to show up, we were looking around the house for a body. Oh, no. Oh. But in- instead of a body, we had things stolen. But um, it like was Like pretty- what? What did you get stolen? Oh, like, you know, like jewelry, probably a TV set, all that. You know, the, like the nice shit that you have in your house. Yes, his collection of exotic underwear from around the world. Yes. I know. I, I think I was like eight or nine, so I don't think my underwear was as exotic as it is now. Oh, gross. But I there was, there was just blood everywhere. Oh, God. Blood and underwear everywhere. <laughs> like my mom, <laughs> God bless her soul, she literally like took the towels that had like blood on it and she put them in Ziploc bags and she gave them to the cop and she was like, oh, if you need DNA evidence. And he was like, honey, you're watching too many TV shows. <laughs> oh God. Well, actually I do have, I, now I do have something coming to mind. It's not people related, but one time I witnessed um, growing up, one of my dogs threw up and the other one ate it. <laughs> Now, like, that was truly gross. Like, really gross. I mean, that was some early 2000s weird video gross. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Jen has three cups and nine girls, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know. Two dogs, one bowl. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Two, Two... Two dogs, one vomit. I don't know. Wait, was it Romeo and Kasha? It was. Oh, let me guess. Kasha threw up and Romeo ate it. Yep, that's right. (laughs) Because boys are disgusting. Aww. Yeah, I know. But that's true love, you know? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you agree, Jen? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's get back to crime scene cleaning. Now... There's a really interesting channel on YouTube, okay? And uh, the company is called Spalding Decon. Now, I don't know what uh, necessarily possessed me at the moment, but I think it was always one of those things in the back of my mind that I was like, I want to see some video footage to see if there's some footage out there. So in doing that, Mark and I stumbled across this channel, Um I was like, okay, it's like nicely produced and it's really vivid and graphic. So we're in, you know, we're down, down to clown, as they say, as the kids say. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that means. I'm assuming it's down to clown. Yeah, down to clown. Not John Wayne Gacy. But I think when we were like, when we found this on like YouTube and what have you, what sucked us in was that, you know how they have like the little pictures. It's like a preview of the video you're about to watch. Mm -hmm. 
it was like a brown stain that was human oh. sized. And we were like, oh God, this looks real. Yeah, it was not a Hollywood stain. You know, it looked like a real legit stain. It wasn't like oxidized. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty it was definitely what they call, you know, I mean, what is that? Uh clickbait, but they delivered, you know. Yeah. So it was like, oh, I'm gonna click on this and they did not disappoint. Hmm. You know, they they really didn't. I remember years ago I saw a truck in front of me and on the back, you know how a truck will advertise, you know, we do this, we do mm-hmm. that, we do this. It said biohazard, suicide you know, et cetera, et cetera, cleanup. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, wow, that makes sense because this would be something that there would be, uh, you know, a need for professionals that aren't just, you know, your average service that you would call. Um, and rightfully so. So yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty crazy thing. I think it's an undying industry, pun intended, yeah. no pun intended. <laughs> That is a good one. It truly is. Uh, (laughs) And there's always, I mean, like, people are always dying. It's like the funeral home industry. It's never going to go out of business. No. It's something that, unfortunately, for better or worse, you can always rely on. Yeah. I mean, would you guys ever do it for, like, a good sum of money? Like, let's just say there was, like, I don't know, a house. And a whole family got brutally murdered. And mm. you had to clean it, right? Would you, like, be able to do it for, like, $1,000? I think it's one of those situations, like, I would have to be in it. Like, I don't know. It's one of those things. I don't know it unless I was there doing it. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. You know, like, you can't really... I don't know. I really don't like I don't think it's a matter of like doing it or not. It's more of like I don't know if I would be physically capable of doing such, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I I could probably live in a house where people were murdered, but like after the professionals come in, like, you know, Spalding Decon and take care of the place and it's been so long, you know, since. But even that, you know, it's still questionable for me. Well, it makes you think, too. Like, okay, so on the show, there's, like, a lot of times where, like, someone dies and their bodily fluids, like, you know, seep through layers and layers through the floor into the ceiling into God knows what, into, like, the substructure of the house. And some people, I'm sure, like, if you bleach and you do something topical and you paint over it, to the eye, it looks like it's clean, but underneath the walls, there could still be tissue. There could still be blood. And I just wonder, like, how many places did something happen where that leftover residue is still there, unbeknownst to whoever is living in that space? Yeah. It, it has to be really common, I would imagine, right? I would imagine. Because I, I'm curious to know, like, a percentage-wise, like, how many instances are there people that like try to do or attempt this on their own? Like, is it a thing that people do? I, I guess maybe if financially you're not able to call in someone perhaps, but like Jen, so when you watch the show, it's like, 
they give you the nitty gritty details. So they show you that this is not just surface view. This is like it, once they start taking things apart, like depending on where the person passed away or was murdered, if it's the carpet, for instance, they have to rip up that carpet. They have to take out the uh, padding underneath. Goes so like in depth and these people are equipped and they know how to do the work to yeah. fix it back up. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then meanwhile, like, you know, if I have to, like, I don't know, get leftover pasta out of the drain of the sink, I'm crying about it. Yeah, I've seen it. I can't. Crying. I don't know how they do it. Okay, you guys know right. we have a really special guest today, and his name is Kyle Koontz. And he is someone that we may consider to have an unusual career. Kyle is a crime scene cleaning expert. He is one of the faces of a very popular YouTube channel called Crime Scene Cleaning, which we all know is a show that follows its highly trained technicians, of which Kyle is the lead technician in charge of the field crew. And, you know, we witness as they journey through the depth procedures of remedying a home or apartment. After a tragic or dangerous event took place. Oh, it's Yeah, no, no. And all the cases that, you know, we see require an expertise of individuals who were professionals in the fields. I mean, not everyone can do it, right? I would never know where to begin, what to do. Yeah. So, not only do they take on, like, a huge amount of work that's required to do this... But, like, they're also providing an invaluable service. So they're removing, like, added stress, trauma of family and friends who have... They've been through too much already, you know? Of course. It's, like, like, the last thing you need to think about. You know, they take this task on themselves. I had no idea how involved and in-depth these procedures were. Because, like, on any episode, right, guys, like, you you see Kyle and, like, the members of his teams, like, they're doing actual construction work. Like, cutting off, you know, parts of walls, right? Removing, replacing floors, tiles. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, Dealing with biohazard. I mean, there's a whole, I'm sure there's laws and a whole process behind it. It's definitely not a career that's good for everyone. Um, But if you'd like to see some of what we're talking about, definitely subscribe to Crime Scene Cleaning on YouTube. Spalding Decon is the parent company. And as it says in their about section, Spalding Decon is a premier crime scene cleanup, hoarding cleanup, and meth lab cleanup company in the U.S. So, my God. (laughs) And there's a lot of meth labs. Oh, especially in America. It Uh is like meth labs and but aside from his career as a crime scene guru you know he's also authored three novels he's got a fourth novel on his way um the best-selling book is called secrecy memoirs from the silent in which he recounts his life struggles with child abuse drug addiction and so much more you can find his novel on amazon as well as his other novels reflections past and hidden revenge so we're thrilled to have Kyle here today with us discussing his fascinating line of work and learn more about his incredible literary work that holds so much relevance to so many of us. So welcome, Kyle Coons. Hey, Kyle. Welcome to the show. We're so excited. 
So welcome, Kyle, to our show. It's so fantastic to have you here with us. As you know, we are obsessed with the show, uh, with Crime Scene Cleaning, that's on the Spalding Decon channel on YouTube. Your line of work, it's very fascinating, and it's something that, you know, I think you need to be a very special type of person um, to be able to do what you do. So... We're going to start with more of the logistics behind the work okay. that you do. So I okay. guess I, okay. So- <laughs> <laughs> we got this. We got this. Yes, Queen. So, like, how did you specifically get into this profession? Oh, oh gosh, you would ask that. It is. It's. It's been kind of a crazy. <laughs> it's been kind of a crazy, crazy, uh, crazy ride. But um, I, so in 2009, I actually got bored with the everyday monotonous lifestyle. And I was just like, I can't do the nine to five. I can't do the eight to four. I can't, I I just can't do it anymore. So I started doing some, some super intense research on something, a kind of job that I would love to do. um, And crime scene cleaning popped up and I was like, well, hot damn. (laughs) Uh, let me go, let me go ahead and just jump on this bandwagon. And, um, so it kind of escalated from there. I took a, I took a, a national class and, uh, got certified through OSHA and, and, you know, all the fun stuff. And then oh, I, I was didn't... going, we were going to ask if you had to get trained, but that definitely makes sense that you have to go through OSHA. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You definitely have to go through and get OSHA certified and things mm-hmm. like that. And then. You know, with as excited as I was, it all went down the drain because I lived in a small town, a small city where um, we didn't have we had enough business for it, as bad as it sounds. um, But we didn't have the population to have a company like that in the area. So I went and sold adult novelties and I wrote three books and I worked at gas stations. Mm -hmm. I worked you know, industry. Um, and about two years ago, I ended up moving up to Tampa. And one of the first things I did was search out that those companies. I applied at Spalding and harassed them for probably three <laughs> weeks. Harassed, actually harassed called them every day um, until they got aggravated enough, called me in. And uh, it, it's been on like Donkey Kong since. Wow. 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 Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about like the training process and like kind of like what that entails? Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, I mean, the training process is super simple. Either uh, you make it on a scene or you don't make it on a scene. Uh. Um, a lot a lot of people, a lot of people actually um, think they have the the guts to do it. They think they have the mindset to do it. And um you know, and then they get in, we always, we always do hands-on training because I mean, it, it, it really makes or breaks the deal. So, Oh yeah, for uh, sure. you know, a lot of people talk big game and you know, Oh, I can do this 100% and then turn around, they get on a scene and then I find them hurdled behind the van, either <laughs> in the middle position or vomiting. <laughs> wow. Well, and you know, I can, t- I can totally relate to that because uh, my, well, profession where, you know, my daytime job, if you will, I do hair. And, you know, it is obviously not anything similar, but 
you automatically know people like oh it's just hair you know it's just this it's just that but once you actually see them you're like oh well we'll find out if they can do this job that's that's really interesting right right and i mean it's it's kind of the same because i mean you do hair and i clean up hair so i mean you know there's similarities (laughs) but normally the hair in your situation is detached uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a little crunchy. And like, oh and my something god, something that you said earlier, which like I think resonates with a lot of people, and probably a lot of people who are listening about like tired of the nine to five grind and like finding something that you're passionate about. Because mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like, yeah, I feel like a lot of people, and I hear it from a lot of friends and colleagues about how like it's just like they get tired of doing the same thing over and over again yes it gets it gets mentally exhausting it gets physically exhausting and you know coming home coming home from my nine to five I was I was mentally drained and don't get me wrong I'm mentally drained every day I come home working cleaning up crime scenes but it's a different type of mental drain I mean, I, you know, back when I was working the nine to five, it was, I'd come home, I would cook dinner, I would eat dinner, we would take showers, and we would go to bed. We would wake up and do it all over again. Mm -hmm. Now, now it's a matter of, I never know what city, what state, what the job is going to be. I wake up every day, and it is literally... It's, it's, it's literally a brand new start every day. Mm-hmm. That That's is amazing. Really That's something amazing. that is so rare to find in a line of work or a career path, you know? It really. is. It really is. And, and with what you do, no two situations are going to be the same. No. Now, I have, no. Had, I have had similar situations, but I have never, in the, in the two years that I have been um, working with Spalding, I've never, ever, ever had two exact same situations. Well, like, while we're talking about situations, we're going to kind of dive a little bit deeper um, into the nitty gritty of what you do. And I would love to know, kind of, um, with everything you've done, and I'm sure a million people ask you this, and now a million and three are going to ask you, but (laughs) what... (laughs) If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I mean, how cool is that, right? It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On with the show. What, what, what's been like the most like unusual or difficult, um, situation that you've encountered so far? Um, I would definitely, so it's, it's more circumstantial at this point. It's, uh, the circumstances behind and with, with June being, um, gay pride month and, um, also, excuse me, also, uh, PTSD awareness month, uh, cleaning up suicide especially veteran suicides, uh, military suicides, or even part of the LGBT community, those kinds of suicides actually affect me super, super deep. 
those are the days that I come home and I actually sit in the bottom of my shower and I just either I cry or I just sit there for 20 minutes and I just try to let uh, try to let the water wash away everything. Imagine you always get the people who meet you and find out what you do are always kind of like, oh my God, tell me gruesome stuff or like maybe they're scared or whatever it is. But there are things like these are people. These are people from every kind of community. It's really like that's a very interesting and impactful statement that means a lot. Yeah. Well, the, the one thing that I really love when watching the show with you, Kyle, is the fact that like you do a very difficult job, but you also have this way about you where you have a great personality and you seem to be very comforting towards everyone involved. And I said to Mark, I was like, good God. I said, if I were to have to clean up a crime scene, I would need Kyle to be there. Yeah. To hold my hand and get me through <laughs> it. I think too, that's, like Kyle. That's you funny. Have- that's funny. You have this sense of humor, like you have this way to kind of make light of the situation, like while you're cleaning. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, you really, you really do. You really have to have that kind of sense of humor. I mean, it's uh, gallows humor is, is something that, you know, is in any kind of macabre industry, mm-hmm. whether you be a funeral director or a coroner or uh, a, a medical examiner, you know, there's, there's we all have that gallows humor. I just take it to the next level and actually make it a fun environment to work at because you ultimately, have to. Yeah, ultimately you have to. You have to keep that positive mindset because I, I honestly 100% feel if if I went into every single job, me having PTSD as a person and being diagnosed with it, I feel like I would actually be sucked into that state of mind and probably end up the next victim of one of my techs would end up having to clean up. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the, it's the thing where there, everything needs to have a balance. Exactly. And that's what it's about because doing what you do is no easy job. Like Mark said earlier, you know, you have to be a certain kind of person. There has to be something that gets you through. Right. And something that keeps you going and motivating your team that you're working. Yes, exactly. Exactly. They know, they know that in the morning, if Britney Spears is blasting through the truck, that we're going to a decon and it's going to be a funny day. <laughs> that's like sounding the alarm. Yes, right? that's exactly I what love it is. That. When they hear it's Britney, bitch, they're on. They already know what's happening. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> one, of my, one of my own personal curiosities, and I, I'm a retail manager for a fashion brand. Um, so I have like a business like set of minds sometimes. And with with the work that you do in crime scene cleaning, I was wondering like, how is like the pricing situation handled or dealt with? You know, is it? it, it it's kind of, it's kind of weird because everything is, uh, most everything is dealt through with like insurance and things like that. It's usually just hidden in there um, in the insurance policy that, that it's, it's covered under, but each situation is, is different. And it just really depends on, um, the type of job that it is, uh, the type of situation, um, you know, how many people were involved in the actual, say, crime, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it kind of goes like that. So it's a case by case basis. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there's not, and there's not all- one of those like square foot or, you know, anything like that. It's literally just a case by case. So 
not only is it um, not only am I away from the monotonous everyday lifestyle, but I'm also away from the monotonous lifestyle of, of business as well. Gotcha. Well, and that can be the most boring part. Ex- so exactly. You, man. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, numbers are not and my it, game. They're with you. I'm there too. I'd be like, someone else deal with it, please. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Uh, we own a we own a, a logistics company, me and my fiance. And and I look at him and I'm like, I don't understand this. And he's like, oh, no, it's good. I've got this. Like, oh, God. Yeah, I'm glad, glad that there's someone really? <laughs> that, that knows what they're doing. Yes, yeah. I'm always so fascinated with how in-depth the cleanups are like, you know, I've seen the episodes where you deal with a mattress, right? Like, and you have to literally like disassemble it. And I'm sure you have a lot of um, biohazard laws or regulations you have to follow on top of, it's almost like you're doing a lot of construction work. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's actually, it's deconstruction work. We are literally, yeah, we're literally deconstructing what manufacturers have put together um, you know, so, so the good thing is, is I can pick out some bomb ass furniture now. Cause I know what's going to hold up. Um, the bad thing is, is that, uh, <sighs> some of those jobs, like a recliner, man, I will never own a recliner just cause I know how it is. Well, can I, you tell us like what well, makes a recliner like the worst thing to possibly die in? So, um, I mean, essentially when you die, you liquefy, I mean. I mean, I hope nobody's listening that has like a super sensitive stomach, but you do, you liquefy. And, um, you know, so between, between the body fat and, and the blood and all of the other bio, um, a recliner has every single piece of material known to man. So, you know, it's, fr- it's frame is made of wood. It's got the springs. It's got the foam. It's got the the cushion. It's got the plush. It's got plastic. And you have to deconstruct and find and track where the biohazard has gone through each and every single crevice. Oh, my God. It so is- when you walk into a room and you see that, you're like, oh. God, no. Uh, so when I walk into a room and I see that, normally I'm like, all right, guys, this is your time to shine because I trained you the way I know how to do it. And I'll stand in the background and guide you. <laughs> yes, you'll be cheering them on <laughs> as they take apart that. That's when I turn into the go team. Go. I just, that's when I take over videoing and I'm like, yeah, you guys can, yeah, have fun. May God be with you. The whole thing about what Mark just said on that topic, because I said, Well, one of the things I would want to say or ask Kyle, like, Kyle, you know, eventually, you know, like, when I just drop dead from being so gorgeous, like, should I do it so it's easy for the Kyles of the future to, like, clean me? You know, I actually get that a lot. And it's probably, it's, the the best way to do this is actually probably just watch a good couple of episodes of Dexter um, and then create that exact room and, and just, <laughs> just wait. <laughs> well, that is like a really We're talking good a lot of plastic. Yes, yes. Yeah, a lot of. Oh, I was about to say, are we talking about like the oh, Dexter man. the murderer or Dexter the forensic scientist? Oh, no. Yeah, the murderer. The murderer yeah. part. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The TV yeah. show, Jen. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Dexter's got two sides to him. 
the good news is, is I make Dexter oh. rooms all the time, not for murder. Um, that sounded bad. Not for murder. But um, so, I mean, I could totally walk you through the steps. It's okay. That's amazing. Good okay. Good to know. Well, um, my. So moving on, right, the logistics and murder rooms and what have you. Um, murder rooms are my favorite. You are everyone else's too. Um, but you are also like you're a person and you are a human being, um, you know, and I know that this definitely takes a toll on you. So from humor, like what else is a good coping mechanism to help separate um, work into your personal? Um so legally, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so a lot of the time, I'm actually out in my out in my yard, working in my yard. Um, I have my fiance, who who we do a lot of work in our yard. We're remodeling. Um, we had a flood a couple of months ago upstairs in our bathroom, so we're remodeling our house at the moment. Um, my boys, my my Yorkies. I have two teacup Yorkies, which if you follow me, oh. if you follow me on IG, you'll see them. Um, everywhere um you know so so to kind of take away from dealing with the stress of of seeing and dealing with with what i do for work i actually spend a lot of the time in my yard or in my kitchen cooking i'm like the perfect housewife you'll have to come by and cook for us because mark and i live off of microwavable food Oh no, yeah. no. If I could if I could get away with cooking a five course meal daily, and I used to, but I just don't have the energy anymore, honey. That's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Kyle, let me tell you, our microwave is so tired it makes like whale noises as it rotates. It's <laughs> yeah. really it's that's actually that's <laughs> actually yeah. what it sounds like when I get onto the beach too. I just hear nothing but whale noises. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting I mean, I'm getting sick of cooking during this, you know global crisis going on i'm just sick yeah, of the um, cooking it is. so yeah so that's kind of i mean that's that but that's pretty much you know my coping mechanism other than my writing and things like that i mean that's me as a person well and that's plants the, and food and that's the next thing we wanted to get into so kyle coons he's a writer and you have what three, three novels. novels and a fourth on i do i do have three novels and a fourth one on the way well tell us that's everything amazing. tell us about them Oh, yeah. everything. Holy everything. crap. Well, the, the first one was my worst. The, the Hidden Revenge was my absolute worst. I hate it with every passion. I can't believe that a nice guy like me would write something so crazy and macabre. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's a weird homo love story. And, you know, I think um, I, I mean, I'm a writer. There. I'm a writer as well. And I think we all like, we all are just so, we're our own worst critics when it comes to our writing and our work. Yes. I mean, this is something that my mom shouldn't have read, and I didn't realize she was going to read, so it was kind of embarrassing. They're like, Mom, put that down. Yeah, I'm like, put Mom, what are you here. doing? She's like, I bought it so you could sign it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. You're like, be supportive with another book. Yeah, please. yeah. Um, so, you know, Hidden Revenge, I kind of put, I leave that on the back burner. But uh, Secrecy, Memoirs from the Silent, is actually my life. That's my entire childhood growing up and you know coping with the sexual abuse and mental abuse and physical abuse and drug addiction and and things like that so um you know that one hits close to home uh just because you know i felt a chapter in my life closed when i when i had uh, when i had actually written the last chapter of that book that must have been really liberating wow. 
was. Um, it was it was something that I needed to get off uh, get off of my chest completely, get out of my mind. Um, I struggled daily with it. Uh, I was diagnosed with manic depression and severe PTSD. So, um, I mean, I struggle with it every day, but every day is a new day because of the job that I do and because of the people I surround myself with. So it, it doesn't, if I have a moment, it doesn't stick around very long. And that's, you know, that's really beautiful because, you know, we were also talking about how aside from, you know, all of the kind, you know, obvious markers, you know, what you do is very meaningful and important to you. And I feel like now this is just my personal opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, the work that you do and, you know, helping people is so important to you and it ties into your life experiences. Like, would you agree with that? No, that's a hundred percent. I actually do what I do to help those in need because it helps me cope with my own, with my own past. So saving somebody from going through what I've had to deal with in the past um, and taking all of that on for myself, whether it be hoarding or um, a meth lab cleanup or something like that, or, or having a family member walk in and have to try to clean their own, son or mother or father's suicide you know that i take that pain from them and then i put it onto myself and when i take my shower at night i wash it all down the drain that's beautiful really yeah that really is and uh you're definitely a special person because i think Absolutely. a lot of people they see like you know you go on youtube obviously you pull up the videos you see all of that you know people are naturally curious and dark it's just part of who we are um, but you know, it's so much deeper for someone like you, this is, this is part of you and right. it's meaningful to you. And I think that's an important message to share with people and maybe a very motivating thing for people who feel like, Oh, well, you know, I'm tired of my job. I'm tired of this, which are all things that we talked about. So, you know, it's an inspirational story. Yeah. I find it kind of gross, you know, but well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I mean, you know, and <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, you could tell us about your, your new memoir coming out or book. I'm sorry, oh, your new novel. Yeah. My new, my new novel is actually, it's actually kind of crazy because um, with everything that I deal with for work and everything that I've dealt with in the past, I have actually created a book completely full of nothing but suicide letters. I know it sounds super crazy and I know it sounds super macabre. Um, and I feel like everybody always has that moment where they feel so alone that yeah. no matter what, they feel like they're the only ones going through what they've, what they're going through at that moment when we've all been in one position or another. And I feel that if, if, if I were to turn around and show the world that other people have actually suffered the same way and to help spread suicide awareness, it could change the world. That's amazing. It absolutely. That's amazing, That's really Kyle. Amazing. Because it's somebody like who also struggles with mental illness and depression. And I've had, you know, really dark, traumatic times in my life, you know, I think that maybe having something like that might have been able to make me realize that I wasn't, in fact, alone. Yes, um, I, I am a, um, I'm a drug addict survivor. 
I am a sexual abuse survivor. I am a suicide, attempted suicide survivor. And putting all of that in and seeing it, and it, I felt so alone at times. So I was like, I was like, I've never seen something like that to where people can relate. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. It is. And, and that's yeah. such an impactful. As somebody who is a suicide and sexual abuse and drug addiction survivor, and with the state of our world right now, I, I believe that mental health is really important right now. And I think people I are being affected mentally and emotionally. And I was just wondering if you had any advice for people listening who might struggle as well and kind of how to cope through this time right now. Oh, That's exactly. Lots, lots and lots of alcohol. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I do that. I'm good at that. Totally joking. I am a martini man here, but I am, um, I am a minimal martini man here. Like once every couple of hours, I mean, days, things like that. Uh, <laughs> I, honestly, I was like, oh, wow, it's... I could relate. <laughs> Honestly, it's to stay busy, you know, with the arts and crafts and things like that, with, um, you know, the gardening and, and things like that. Step away from technology. Get out. Grab a fishing pole and, you know, go fishing. Go walk your dog. Uh, ride a bike around your neighborhood. You know, get out and and actually experience the world for what it is. I mean, I remember, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, Parents would say, hey, come home when the lights are on, when the lights come on on the street. Now, kids don't leave their house. Everybody is glued to technology. And though we live in a world of technology, the world is still spinning with us on it. So yeah. why not enjoy it when, when we're all stuck and isolated? That is very wise and very valid. Absolutely. I think those are great points. So experience the world. Listen to Kyle. And buy his book. <laughs> Kyle, where can everyone get your books? <laughs> don't forget to have a martini. Yes, and have a martini. While reading his book. <laughs> oh, that would be And epic. don't pass away in yes. a recliner, for God's yeah. sake. You guys, I, I was actually, it's funny, because when, when I was getting ready to call in, I was listening to your first episode that had released uh, May 30th. The, the episode <laughs> with the cult and I was like super super deep into it so thank you guys for interrupting um, no. <laughs> I, I'm so grateful that you guys have reached out and and I cannot wait to hear the rest of the other episode that I was listening to this episode and all of the other ones oh, oh thank well, you thank and you. that's so sweet and Kyle so tell us what's your Instagram and where do we buy your book so so my books my books are available um on Amazon and you can just type in Kyle R. Coons um in the search menu and it'll pull up my books and my IG is uh at Kyle R. Coons 69 the 69 i mean i just that's my lucky number so we'll go with that um hey you know what it's a good number it is mine too <laughs> i think it's everyone here's lucky number yeah. yes, i agree i agree it's a lucky number for everybody play the lotto 69 <laughs> that's right well 
we've been talking to Kyle Coons, and you can find Kyle also on YouTube. Um, he works for Spalding Decon, um, but he's also an author. So check him out on YouTube, on Amazon, on Instagram. Follow him. Like his content. He's a really cool and amazing person, and we're so glad that he joined us today. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. You guys have a good day. Thank you for listening to episode two of season one of Bizarre Buffet. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Bizarre Buffet and subscribe on Apple, Google, Anchor, Spotify, whatever you listen to podcasts on. We'll see you soon.